This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bible, turn to the book of James. We've only got like uh, maybe three more weeks here in the book of James. We're winding this thing down. We will not start, um, we're going to do a couple of mini-series uh, towards uh, a little bit later in the year. Uh, we will not start our brand new book of the Bible on Sunday nights until the beginning of the new year. Uh, and so uh, we got the, I already got my preaching schedule through the end of the year lined out with a couple of mini-series mini in the, in the uh, uh, middle there to help us to grow as a church. And so, but we're winding down the book of James. We found ourselves in James chapter 5, verse number 13 tonight. Actually, we're going to uh, back up just for the sake of context. Um, verse number 7. James chapter 5, verse number 7. We'll read through f- verse 15. We're really focusing on verses 13 through 15 tonight. Uh, just to give us context of the whole passage, uh, I want to take a look at verse, starting in verse number 7. James chapter 5, verse number 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren... Unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for example, of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, and that the Lord is very pitiful and tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven nor by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. The word elders is synonymous for the word pastors. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. If thou have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. The title tonight's message, Enduring Difficulty with Grace. So the reason I backed up to verse number 7 is because the, the context of this uh, verse deals with the idea of suffering. Now again, I want to help you to be better Bible scholars and better Bible students and students of the Word of God uh, by doing this. Helping you to understand whenever we read a verse, we need to know what happens above it, what happens below it. Who it was written to, why it was written, so that we can understand the Bible better. Anybody can take a verse and pluck it out of context and make it say what they want it to say, but that's not how the Bible works. The Bible works in context. The Bible also works together. There's not going to be any part of the Bible that disagrees with other parts of the Bible. They work together in concert, and the Bible always, always, always validates itself. So with that in mind, we need to understand the idea here and the context of what James is talking about. The verses preceding verse number uh, 13 that we're looking at tonight, back up to verse number 7, is talking about waiting on the Lord, and it's talking about enduring suffering. With that in mind, we get to verse number 13. It says, if any among you afflicted, let him pray. 
So if you're suffering, when you're going through a difficult time, here's James's exhortation to you. Pray. If you're suffering, pray. Now, again, that might seem a little bit simplistic, but sometimes we just need to boil things back down to the basics. So many times when we go through times of difficulty, we begin to wonder how we can fix it or what we can do to get ourselves out of a bad situation or what are all of my options. Uh, When James tells us, hey, is anybody among you afflicted? If so, please don't neglect prayer. Most Christians that I talk to, if I ask them if there's an area of their Christian life that they could grow or do better, nine times out of ten, most people will say, my prayer life could be better. And we struggle with prayer because sometimes we don't see the immediate effects of it, right? If I read my Bible today, I'm going to maybe read something that applies to today. I'm going to read something that's wisdom for a situation that I'm going through because the Bible's a living word. It's applicable. It's ready uh, to help me to be a better person. Uh, um, Paul tells Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable. That means it's useful for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. God's word is always going to be there and ready to help you. And so we can understand reading the Bible because we see immediate results. Prayer sometimes is one of those things like, I'm not really sure that God heard that or not. I'm not really sure if that connected I remember as a kid, uh, I thought to myself, uh, again, I just learned uh, about about praying in church and what I'd heard. Nobody sat down and taught me formally how to pray. I remember sometimes at night I would lay in my bed trying to fall asleep and I would begin to pray. And then I'd remember like 10 minutes later, oh no, I forgot to say in Jesus' name, amen. That means like all of my previous prayers that I prayed were negated. They, They didn't work. And so I did go back through trying to remember all the things that I prayed for. And when I got down to the end, I had to say the magic words, in Jesus' name, amen. Because previously I'd forgotten that and the prayers obviously didn't work. For those of you who don't know, that's not how prayer works at all, okay? God hears you every single time you pray. Now, when we pray in the name of Jesus, it's just a prayer basically saying, hey, God, you don't owe me anything. I'm praying on behalf of your son who told me that I could ask on his behalf. That's all praying in Jesus' name means. And amen just means let it be so. Uh, so again, there's nothing magical about the words that we use. We just need to pray. But sometimes we neglect prayer because we don't see the immediate effects of it. But God desires and promises to hear our cry. That should be of great comfort to you tonight. That we're never alone. That God has promised wherever we are, all we have to do is cry, and he will hear us. First Peter chapter 5, verse number 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Psalm 18. I, if you're, if, let me just tell you this. If you're taking notes tonight, write this down. When you're going through a difficult time, run to Psalm 18. I've sat at the bedside of people who knew for a fact that they were dying very, very soon. Where did I turn to? Psalm 18. Talk to someone who just got in a terrible diagnosis from the doctor, Psalm 18. Somebody whose child has rebelled against God, Psalm 18. Somebody who just lost their job, Psalm 18. It's, it's of comfort. And here's what Psalm 18, 6 says. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and I cried unto my God, He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even into his ears. And so we know that when we call upon God, he's promised to hear us. 
Psalm 91, verse number 15, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. So our Heavenly Father knows what we're going through and has promised to deliver us. Now, I want to uh, maybe put an asterisk beside that word deliver us, that phrase deliver us. God's promised to deliver you. Asterisk. Deliverance in God's mind and deliverance in our mind doesn't always mean the same thing. We think deliverance means I'll get a better job, when sometimes it might actually mean losing your job. How is that deliverance? God's not working on your understanding of what deliverance looks like. He's working on his. Again, I remember as a, a nine-year-old boy, my, my granny had lung cancer. And I remember praying and praying and praying and praying and praying that God would heal her of, of lung cancer. And her ca- cancer continued to get worse and worse. And it spread throughout her whole body. went from her lungs to her brain. And she had tumors on her brain that were inoperable. And, and again, I just heard people say things like, well, God can do anything. God can do miracles. Just pray and just trust God. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And she died. Well, I thought that God promised to deliver us. He did. He delivered her from the pain of cancer. Delivered. Well, that's not what I was talking about. Yeah, that's what God was talking about, though. And so, again, we in our finite minds, which are so incredibly small, think deliverance looks like what we want it to look like. When oftentimes God's promise of deliverance in our lives looks very different. And, and again, please understand, if God did everything the way that you asked in your timetable that you wanted, precisely to your specifications, then God is no longer God, you are. And God simply exists to rearrange the entire universe to lay it out exactly how you want it. And that's not how God works. But he's promised, if you're going through difficulty, he will help. Prayer also causes us to fall upon the God of all comfort. And God comforts us so that we can comfort others. Keep your finger here in James 5. We're coming back in just a second. But flip over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1, starting verse number 3. Blessed be God even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Get these next two things that it calls God. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Hey, look, if you need comfort in times of suffering, cry out to the God of all comfort. It goes on in verse number four and says, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Why? That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Get this, God has led you through some difficulty and some suffering in your life so that you can be a blessing to other people. Hey, for those of us that are in this room that have lost somebody really, really close to us, we can share the realness and the reality of the grace of God in times of suffering with someone who's trying to come to grasp of that same thing. For those of us that maybe have gone through difficulties in our marriage, we can share with other people how real the grace of God is in every circumstance that your marriage will ever possibly face. Why? Because we've been through it. For those of us who have kids that are not perfect, I'm sure your kids are perfect, mine are not. We can share, that was funny, wasn't it? 
we can share how imperfect parents trying to raise imperfect children can lean really hard on the grace of God and God brings good fruit from it. Why? Because there's been nights where we stayed up bawling our eyes out over the decisions that our kids have made. And what happened? The grace of God met us in our suffering. And I'm here tonight to tell you, if you've gone through that, I have too and I can help you. If your marriage has hit a rough spot, I can help you. If you've ever been disappointed by a circumstance or situation, I can help you. Why? Because I've seen God comfort in times like that. You ever been stabbed in the back by somebody that you trusted? Yeah, I've been there before too. And guess what? Our Savior has as well. You ever tried to do somebody really, really good and they end up trashing your name and telling lies about you behind your back? Yeah, our Savior did too. And I've been through that too. So that comfort that I found in my Savior, I can share with you and we can see the grace of God together. And so... But the problem comes oftentimes in the midst of suffering that we don't want to help other people. We don't want to bless other people. We want to have a pity party and we want to say, woe is me. Why is this happening to me? What did I do that's so wrong that God would do this to me? All I'm trying to do is like serve God with my life and this happens to me. And we begin to get down on ourselves. But we fail to do what James tells us to do. Pray. God promises to hear your prayer. Hey, take what God's given you and invest it in the lives of someone else. Share with somebody else how good God's been, how faithful he's been. And if you're suffering, here's the, the silver bullet. If you're suffering, spend time in the Psalms. This is, this is I, I say it's my secret. It's not really a secret. Wherever you're at in life, you will find yourself in the book of Psalms 100% of the time. All you have to do, if you read five psalms a day, you can read the entire book of psalms in a, in a month. And I promise you, guaranteed, you'll find yourself somewhere in the psalms. If you're like, hey, life couldn't get any better like if I was in heaven, I think that would be a, a, the only way that life could get any better. I, I feel I spend so much time in God's word. I'm so encouraged by what I read in God's word. I have great time in prayer. I feel like I'm, I have a direct hotline to God, and I talk to God, and he talks back to me through his word. He's just been so faithful. He's been so good. Good. You will find yourself in the Psalms because David talks about like, man, God, you're better than life. God, your word is, is sweet like honeycomb. Like, like this is as good as it gets. If you say, like, dude, that's totally not me. I'm like, down at the bottom of the valley. Like, wherever the bottom's at, I'm about 10 feet underneath that. Like, scraping the bottom of the barrel just to trying to find the strength to get on through the day. Like, I pray, but I don't think it ever even makes it past the ceiling. Good. You'll find yourself in the Psalms. Where David says, how long will I cry and you won't hear me? My enemies have circled around me or are getting ready to take my life. I cry out to you and you don't even care. How long will I have to cry before you actually sit up and listen to me? You'll find yourself in the Psalms. Good day, bad day, in between day. You'll find yourself in the Psalms. So if you're going through suffering, I would encourage you mega dose on the Psalms. I remember I was a young Christian and nobody had ever told me that before. And I just heard, hey, if you're going through a rough spot, read the Bible. Now, it matters where you read in the Bible. All the Bible's good, 100% of it's God's word. And I thought to myself, how can you go wrong with reading the Bible? And so if you're going through suffering, read the story of somebody who's gone through suffering. I thought, I'll read the book of Job for some encouragement. <laughs> Those of you that are laughing have read the book of Job. 
if you don't get the joke, the book of Job is not a book of encouragement at all. If you're going through a time of suffering, don't read the book of Job unless you can say like, well, at least God didn't take my kids and my livestock and everything that I own to my name. At least I'm not sitting in, you know, ashes and sackcloth today. If you can get that as encouragement from the book of Job, that might be all there is. But because Job sits and his friends come and it's like, dude, you you just need to repent. You made God mad. Job's own wife says, hey, curse God and die. Just get it over with. Job, like, this is sad. And so I didn't know where to read. But the book of Psalms, man, once I found that, it was like water to my soul. And I found so many reasons to praise God. I found the faithfulness of God time and time again. Those Psalms where you're down in the valley are called Psalms of Lament. It's fascinating because every single Psalm of Lament always comes down to the very end and it always turns around and says things like, but I will trust in your name. But you have always been faithful. But in thee I do place my trust. Always. And I remember that just being so encouraging to me at 10, 15, 20, 100 different times in my life where I came to the Psalms and I just found help there. Turn back to James chapter 5 if you would. Verse number 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Now, psalms was a book of worship. It was the song book uh, for the Jewish believers. They would actually sing them in, in, in church. Uh, somebody gave me a gift several years ago. Of, uh, it's called a psalter with a P-S-A-L-T-R. P-S-A-L-T-R. E-R? Yeah. Psalter. Begins with a P, not an S. And basically, it's the Psalms set to music. Now, I'm not a music guy. I don't read notes or anything like that, but I just thought to myself, how fascinating is this? And I began to just sing the Psalms out loud. And let me just tell you, there's, there's something powerful about that. Now, it's not saying we should just read the book of Psalms and sing those out loud. It's talking about singing songs to God. What type of songs should we sing? The Bible tells us psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So, good news. If you're happy, praise God. Praise for it. If you're suffering, you need to pray. If you're happy, you should praise God for it. Because, understand this, every day is not going to be a great day. Every day is not going to be a bad day. But when you have good days and you have bad days, the Bible commands us to praise. Now you might say, well, I don't have any good days. Okay. It's important to understand that praise is not predicated on our circumstances. I don't have to wait to have a good day to praise. Friend, if you have breath in your lungs today, you have reason to praise God. If you're able to get out of bed and come to church, you have reason to praise God. If you had a church to come to tonight... You should praise God. If you have a church family that loves you, you should praise God. Again, a million and one reasons to praise. Oh, things aren't great at work. Well, I'm sorry, did you say that you still have a job? That's a reason to praise. Oh, the dollar doesn't go as far as it used to. Hmm. Boo-hoo. Poor Americans can't afford gasoline. 
Look, there are people in the world that can't afford to eat. And you're griping because gas is expensive? Again, we just got to dial things back that have an appropriate perspective. <laughs> so, so many times, I want to strangle my kids. Because they go to the cabinet and they stand there and look in the pantry like this. And they go over to the refrigerator and they open the doors and they look like this. And they open the freezer and they step back and they look like this. And then they exclaim, somebody tell me what they say. We have nothing to eat. Right? Pantry full of food, refrigerator. There's not enough place to put a a 20-ounce soda in there because it's so full. Freezer jammed, packed with all kinds of things that are not fit to eat. Right? It's like, blah, 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 blah. And so the, then we as good parents go over there and say, do you want bagel bites? No. Do you want a frozen pizza? No. Do you want peas and corn for dinner tonight? I don't know who does that, but maybe somebody does that. Do, would you like for me to grill you a steak? Oh, that's going to take too long. Oh, boo-hoo. You know, <laughs> so long to grill a steak. I don't want you to have to wait. You know, would you like to have popcorn for dinner? No, I want something heavier than that. Okay. Uh, well, I can make Burgers, oh, that's too heavy. Oh, okay. I can make tacos. Oh, do we have hard shell tacos? No, we only have soft tortillas. Oh, those aren't real tacos. It's just like, oh, come on. <laughs> and you laugh. But here's the thing. You're a grown-up and you're like, yeah, my kids are like that too. No, no, no. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about your life. Oh, I had to sit in traffic on the way home from work today. Come on. Really? Oh, my neighbors are so loud. Really? Oh, my neighbors, it's the middle of August, and they still haven't taken down their Christmas decorations. It's almost Christmas again. Okay? Like, really? Find something to praise God for, would you? Our small groups on, on Wednesday nights, if you're not part of a small group, you should get in one. We have one that meets on Tuesday night. Most of our groups meet on Wednesday. We have a single that also meets on Friday nights. We always start, go around and share your name, a praise, and a prayer request. And no lie. Some people are like, oh, I'm trying to think of a praise. I'm here. That's the best you got? Like, how good has God been to you? How good has God been to you? You don't have nothing to praise God for. Wow. Blows my mind. We need to come back and find reasons to praise. All of us have reasons to complain. Any knucklehead can do that. But the Bible says if you're truly legit suffering, you need to pray. But if you have reasons to praise God, you should praise God. And praise isn't based on your circumstances. Paul wrote the book of Philippians from prison. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say what? Rejoice. Oh, but I'm in prison and I can't get out and go anywhere. Paul's like, no, 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 no. He even goes to the beginning of the of Philippians. Said, "Hey guys, you might have heard him in prison. Not a big deal. Don't feel sorry for me. I've had the opportunity to preach the gospel. The gospel's actually going forward while I'm in prison. So actually, I'm really okay." That's what Paul says in Philippians chapter one. So Paul, being in prison, not allowed to be free for what? Just for following and obeying God and preaching the gospel. Paul gets imprisoned, 
And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We talk about joy. Joy is happiness based on spiritual realities. Joy has absolutely nothing to do with your physical or material circumstances. I was talking with a a guy who attended our church several years ago. And he got bent out of shape about something. I don't even remember what it was. It doesn't really matter. But he would come to church and he would basically fold his hands and, and be angry. And I said, hey, man, what's up? Well, just, I got a lot going on right now. Okay, how can I help? You can't. Okay, um, change your attitude. Well, I'm not going to come to church and put on a fake show. I'm not asking you to put on a fake show. I'm asking you if you can have joy. Well, I don't know how to have joy. Good, I'm going to help you. Walk in the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love. What's the second one? Joy. Joy. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. It comes from the Holy Spirit when you're walking in the Spirit. And look, if you've got a crummy attitude, it's a key indication you're not walking in the Spirit. But joy doesn't have anything to do with your circumstances. You can have a flat tire on the way to church and have joy. <laughs> There's a... Uh, family in our church in the early days. They were on their way to church on a Sunday morning with their three kids in the van and the transmission went out on their van. And they pulled it over and left it on Pensacola Street and got a taxi and came to church. I said, what are you going to do with your van? I don't know. We'll figure it out after church. And they came and just served Jesus with joy that day. I thought to myself, I love that. Love it. You got a reason to gripe and complain. Transmission goes out on the man. That's fine. That's not going to steal my joy. There's so many Christians. I'm going to help you with something tonight, okay? We fail to protect our joy because the world wants to steal your joy. Other people's kids are better behaved than yours are. Other people's kids are better looking than yours are. Uh, other people dress better than you are. Other people drive a nice car. You see that new car that they got? We ain't got a new car. Why do they got a new car? And, and comparison will steal your joy your heart not being in the right place to steal your joy. Now let me just tell you, friend, if you have no joy, you're not walking in the Spirit. And when you don't have joy, it's obvious to everybody around you. Something ain't right somewhere. So I just want to encourage you. Protect your joy. Joy is happiness based on spiritual realities. Here's what James says in James chapter 1. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That word temptations means a testing, a spiritual testing time. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So again, I can have joy even when things are going terrible. And if you're going through a time of suffering, spend time in the Psalms. If you're praising God... Spend time in the Psalms. Again, you'll find yourself in in Psalms. There's so many reasons to praise God as you read through, and you're like, oh, yeah, I feel that in the depths of my soul. So good day, bad day, the Psalms is a great place to be. It's a great place to praise. I'd encourage you this. If you're struggling with joy, just begin to sing songs focused on God. I, I believe every person should own a hymnal. Every family should own a hymnal. Just grab it off the, the shelf and start singing songs. <laughs> I had a friend send me a, a video a few weeks ago. He's like, oh, man, I love these songs from growing up. It was songs like, uh, there's power in the blood. Man, man, that just spoke to my soul. 
what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Man, you start singing songs about God's goodness, God's grace. Man, you sing songs like Christ is mine forevermore. I don't care how bad your day has been, but Christ has paid for every failing. He is mine forevermore. Like Christ belongs to me and I belong to Christ. What? I got cut off in traffic. What? I'm going to let that ruin my day. No, 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 no. I'm going to protect my joy. That's why you and I have to prioritize personal worship. This has to go like at the top of our list. It is a good thing to gather corporately and worship with the people of God. It really is. I love it. I love singing with the church. It's one of the reasons why my voice is trash. Because I sing every single Sunday. Sing my guts out. I look forward to it. I love corporate worship with God's people. I love it. I try to sit in the back and like sing quietly and I just can't. I can't do it. Oh, rejoice now, oh my soul, for his love is my reward. Fear is gone and hope is sure. Christ is mine forevermore. Like if you can like whisper that and protect your voice, you're, you got way more uh, uh, self-control than I do because I just can't. I just got to let it rip. And I don't sing well, but I'm in the joyful, make a joyful noise category. But let me just tell you this. That feeling on a Sunday night of, of belting it out and letting it rip, that's not going to carry you all the way till next Sunday. You got to have something in the middle to keep that where it needs to be. And here's the thing. I can't call you tomorrow morning and ask you if you've been in personal worship. I can't call you over the phone and you and I will sing songs to each other. That would just be awkward. Right? At some point, you got to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to worship God on my own time. I don't need anybody to ask me. I don't need anybody to tell me. I want to spend time with Jesus. Good day, bad day, time with Jesus, always a priority. Got to have it. Time in the Word, time in prayer. You should sing as part of your personal worship. If you commute to work, I would encourage you with this. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm not trying to be your boss or anything like that. I'm telling you, if you commute, use your time wisely. Listen to preaching. Listen to the word of God. Listen to worship music, things that draw your heart closer to God. Look, if you're listening to, to news and, and you know, NPR and stuff like that, you're just going to get angry. I'm just telling you. This world, the Bible says, continues to wax worse and worse. You're not going to be encouraged by listening to the news. Again, listen to a podcast, listen to people gripe about the news. Not helpful for your spirit. Doesn't help your joy. Sing worship songs to God. Not just positive, encouraging Christian-ish music. I'm talking about legit worship music will help your soul. And let me just tell you, that just primes the pump. So that when you come to church on a Sunday and you hear sing songs like, Jesus, our sure foundation, you're like, yes, yes, love it. When you hear sing songs like, complete in thee, that Jesus Christ is my completion. I felt like there was something missing before I found Jesus. And once I found Jesus, it's like, man, that final puzzle piece got shoved into place. And I can just say, yes, my life is complete in Jesus Christ. How does that happen? It happens because we've been in personal worship throughout the week. 
And again, if you're just a, got a pep rally on Sunday and then it falls back down on Monday until next Sunday again, you're, you're going to be off. And here's what James says. A double-minded man is unstable in what? All of his ways. So again, you just can't ride the high from Sunday throughout the week until next Sunday. It doesn't work that way. It's meant to give you the tools that you need to continue to walk with Jesus day by day. And you've got to prioritize your personal worship. If you don't know what that looks like, I promise you, I want to help you. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time singing to God on your own. <laughs> There's been times before my kids have come out of my office and say, Dad, are you okay? Yeah, why? Because it sounds like somebody's killing a cat outside. Oh, that was me. I was just singing. <laughs> I put my headphones on and let it rip. You laugh, but it's true. I sound more like a pregnant cat as opposed to a cat being killed. Uh, but nevertheless, we have to prioritize our time with God. Here's what Jesus promises in John chapter 15, verse number 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You disconnect from Jesus, you are worthless to Jesus. You say, well, that's not very nice. I didn't say it. Jesus did. If you disconnect from the vine, the only thing that you're good for is to, to be gathered up and thrown into the fire. But Jesus says, if you stay connected to me and I'm connected to you, the same will bring forth much fruit. And I don't know about you, but I want much fruit in my life. And that only comes from being connected to Jesus. Back to James chapter 5, verse number 14. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. If he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now, pause here for just a second. I've heard this passage preached my entire life. Forty plus years I've been in church. I've heard this, this passage, this, this verse, referenced multiple times dealing with physical healing. And I believe there, there could be an application for that. But as I, no lie, as I began to dig into this text probably two weeks ago, I began to see here that that sickness that he's talking about, and again, when we examine Scripture for what Scripture says, we can look for what it says on the surface, but then we have to understand what it says in context before and after and actually take a look at the words that are being used here. I have come away with, the, and again, I, I didn't come up with this on my own, a, a lot of study and a lot of different pastors and theologians came away with this, that verse number 14 is not talking about physical sickness, and I'm going to share with you why in just a moment. It's talking about being spiritually exhausted. And so the idea here is that if you're spiritually exhausted, your pastors will encourage you. Verse number 14 is any sick among you, exhausted. Spiritually speaking, let him call for the elders or pastors of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, let's read on to verse number 15. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. Now, pause here for just a second. If we look at that verse and think that it means physical healing, okay, stay with me, stay with me. If that verse means physical healing, then verse 15 says that when the pastors anoint him with oil and pray for him, that that person not might be healed, could possibly be healed, but that they will be raised up. But we know that no pastor or any other person has the ability to heal physically 100% of the time. 
And then it goes on and says that if that person has any sins, their sins will be forgiven. So again, now we're talking, especially in that phrase, in the spiritual realm here. And so pastors couldn't heal anybody physically if we wanted to. That was an apostolic gift that was meant to go with the gospel for the purpose of validating the message to bring people to repentance. But in this case here, it uses the Greek word komno, which speaks of spiritual fainting and weariness. The Greek word komno is only used one other time in the entire Bible, one time, and one time only. It's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 3. Listen to this. Speaking of Jesus Christ, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, get this, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. That phrase, faint in your minds, means to, to give up spiritually or mentally speaking. And that's that Greek word komno, which is used again in the book of James, which again, depending on your English translation of the Bible, probably translates the word sick. But again, when you dig a little bit deeper and you take a look at the context, the context is not talking about physical ailments and how we can be healed 100% of the time. Because again, take a look at James chapter, chapter 5 here with me. Verse number uh, 12, or, I'm sorry, verse number 15. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Sick is Greek word komno there. And the Lord shall raise him up. So again, this is not a... a a conditional promise. This isn't a sometime promise. It's a guaranteed promise. And again, no pastor can guarantee 100% healing all of the time. I prayed for many people who their sickness got worse and they died. So that can't be what James is talking about. That this person will be raised up. This person will be healed. It must be speaking of something else. And again, uh, based on the, the study that I've done and the way that I see in the context, it's speaking of being spiritually exhausted. And so if that's the case here, then the spiritual leadership of your church family should refresh you. Now again, does this mean that God can't heal people physically? I don't believe that at all. And if somebody needs physical healing, I believe we as a church should pray for that person's physical healing. But we also know that that doesn't happen 100% of the time. But when it comes to your spiritual refreshment, your pastor, your pastoral staff, the leadership of our church to include the deacons of our church, these are folks that God has given you for the purpose of encouragement. They should refresh you. And again, if you have a pastor who causes grief in your life on a continual basis, who does not comfort you and shepherd you and feed you and lead you and, and lift you up and encourage you, man, a pastor's not doing his job. If that's the case for you, please let me know. If I haven't done a good job of encouraging you, please let me know. I want to. I really do. But again, it comes back to you primarily should be encouraged by the Word of God and by the preaching of the Word of God. But it's interesting, again, at the end here, if we're speaking in a spiritual sense, which I, this is the way that I interpret this passage of Scripture. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So part of the spiritual restoration process is the process which we call repentance. Now again, James is not saying that pastors have the capability to forgive people's sins. It doesn't mean that we can anoint people with oil and pray over them and their sins will be forgiven. It means that we as pastors can lead people through the encouragement process, through the rebuilding and restoration process. 
That if you're going through a difficult time, I want to walk with you through that difficult time and encourage you through the Word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to be encouraged in what God is doing in your life. Now again, if you look at this passage of Scripture and think it means physically sick, I wouldn't argue with you, I wouldn't disagree with you. That's how I've heard it preached my entire life. I've never actually studied the passage out myself and taken a look at the, the Bible in totality and context and taken a look at these phrases and exactly what they must mean or must not mean. If you, if you walk away from this saying, God promises physical healing and pastors should pray for you, man, I'll pray for you for sure. But I believe, more importantly, God is less concerned with your physical wellness, much more concerned with your spiritual wellness. Amen. Guaranteed. Because here's the thing. All of us are going to get sick. All of us at some point are going to die. And God's less concerned that we, you and I are healthy and well physically, and more importantly, he wants to ensure that we're right with him. And if there's sin in our life, it's been flushed, that we can lean on the word, and if we're suffering, we can pray. If we're blessed and happy, we can praise God. And that if we're just completely depleted spiritually, that God has given us pastors and leaders within our church family, within the body of Christ, to encourage our hearts, to help us, to give us that push we need to get back and get right with God again, maybe. I believe that's the case for all of us. So how do we go through difficult times of grace? And if things are going crummy, pray. Going through time of suffering, it's ordained by God. Trust Him, walk with Him through the process. Things are going well, praise God. And even on your worst day, you can find things to praise God for. Both of those, though, are going to draw strength from your personal worship time with God. Not really sure where to read in your Bible? Start in the book of Psalms. Start tomorrow, Psalms chapter 1. I guarantee you'll find help there. And at the end, when you just don't have what it takes, reach out to somebody. Man, I, I've tried really, really hard to be available as your pastor. If you've been here for any length of time and you don't have my number on your cell phone, you should. It's always, sometimes I'll text people who've been in our church for six months and say, hey, I prayed for you today. I hope things are well. And they say, thanks for the prayer. I'm not sure who this is, though. It's just like, it's your pastor? <laughs> like, and the fact that like, you don't have my number saved on your phone, it hurts my heart. But then some of you have my number saved, but what you save my name as would probably hurt my heart if any of that, so I don't want anyone to know what you save my name as, right? But here's the thing. I try to make myself available. You should have my cell phone number saved in your, in your phone. If you have the Church Center app, just the homepage, there's a button where you can actually schedule time on my calendar. Like, I don't screen those to find out whether or not you're worthy of meeting with. If you need time with your pastor, I want you to be able to have it. Like just, man, make an appointment. We can sit down and talk. I stand out here every single Sunday until the last person leaves. I'm, I'm always walking around. I'm, I try to make myself available. I've done pastors before who they preach, and man, once they say amen, they're gone. And you couldn't get the appointment with them if you wanted. I don't want to be that kind of pastor. So if you need help, I'm here. All you got to do is say the word. If you need encouragement, you need prayer, man, I want to walk with you through whatever you got going on because it doesn't last forever. God's always faithful. God's always good. And we can walk through any difficulty that we have because of the grace of God.
Thanks for joining us for the Huikala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.